Good day, good evening, good afternoon, good night, and good morning for those of you who are on the other side of the world, as or as Janina said, in future time. Welcome mm-hmm. to another exciting episode of The Black Cauldron. This is episode number 13. Lucky or unlucky number 13. <laughs> in the ma- You know, we didn't do anything for episode 7, anything special, and we were, oh, and we were starting, um, we were actually in the middle of, um, What's that? Um, we actually started Goblet of Fire. So I, I guess that might be interesting and significant. But we are here to conclude the Order of the Phoenix. Janina is ringing this day out with like, as if she, we, it were the Quidditch World Cup. She's so excited about the end of this book. She's, ding, ding, ding! <laughs> she is desperately awaiting the beginning of the Half-Blood Prince. But before I go any further, let me introduce my co-hostesses with the mostesses. I am nothing without these ladies. We have Professor Deb all the way in Maryland on the East Coast, I think it is. You know, I don't know American geography. I just know I just where black people are. I'm here. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is week number 13, ladies, just so you're aware of that. Can you believe it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Like... We're nowhere finished with COVID, without quarantining and COVID. <laughs> we shall move on. And Janina in Farron, Ohio, how are you doing? It's hot. She said it's that meanwhile, she just said to me before the beginning of the podcast, you know, I'm wrapped in a blanket while you're sitting in front of a fan. So, I mean. It's hot outside. Let me, let me clarify. Okay. The house is cold. The AC <laughs> is low. But it's really hot outside. Yes. Well, I can't put my AC on because we won't be able to hear me when we are recording this podcast. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I am literally about six feet away from my from my AC. So, ladies, we and of course there is reels here. Um, I always forget to introduce myself, even on the other. It's because podcast. you're a dark wizard and you don't want people to know who you are. Okay. <laughs> I mean that could work. I mean I'm trying to say it's not true, but I mean I mean. The evidence is there. <laughs> but I'm in Ravenclaw, okay? I am in Ravenclaw, just so mm-hmm. we're aware. Um, ladies, so as um, actually, before we get to the main topic of discussion today, I just want to point out something that occurs in this book, which I, which I had um, prefaced on only one of the podcasts um, about an incident of racism, of direct racial racism that happened within this book. And it's sort of like on the plate. And I don't remember the exact chapter per se. I was about to look for it when, because I kept forgetting, you know, my memory is like a sieve. I, I definitely need a pensive. But um, it's when, of course, you know, that, that favorite girl of ours, Pansy Parkinson, meets, um, what's the girl on the Quidditch team? Alicia? Katie no, Bell? No, no, no. Not Katie Bell. No, 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 no. Angelina. No. A- Angelina. And she asked Angelina, yes. what's that coming out of your head? Is it worms? And she's acting fat because Angelina has braided, braided, braided hair or plaits. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, girl, did you just do what I think you just did? Because, because it's funny because we talk about um, the fact that how the magical world doesn't seem to have any concept of anything that really happens in the quote unquote real world. And you would have thought that, you know, like racism wouldn't necessarily exist here because we are speaking about blood and magic, as we can see from the Quidditch World Cup, magic isn't just a British thing. Magic is happening all over the world. But here we have 
Pansy Parkinson letting us know racism still exists in the magical world too. So we can move on from. Oh, you can tell me know if I'm crazy if I'm making that up. That is oh, what we call a microaggression. It's, it's, it definitely, it's definitely a microaggression. Um, I think it's more, you know, just it's kind of more like the pettiness of um, that. Yeah, and the, the the whole idea of trying to project that at this age there's that kind of female rivalry, um, even though you know Angelina is captain of the Quidditch team and and all like that. But it's definitely a microaggression, I think. Um, and you could make the argument, well, you know, there are other microaggressions that are directed at Hermione. There are microaggressions directed at um, different people, depending right. on how they look or whatever. Um, but, you know, so it's definitely, um, I would put it in the class of a microaggression. But the others are not necessarily based on race. Because I took that to be direct because it's very clear that that what she's talking about is the particular hairstyle. Right. right? Particular yeah, hairstyle it's, it's being braids or plastic hair. Right. And it's the particular you, hairstyle and it's you know, it's something that she wants to to call out as something that makes Angelina different. Different, mm -hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And mind you, for all the talk we get of Pansy Parkinson, that girl has not done not one thing spectacular, not even an ounce of magic. No, I mean, she rubs Draco's head to... sometimes. Yeah, and she screams <laughs> from time I mean, to time. <laughs> Pansy has not done a single thing of merit or no. She didn't even cast us. I mean, I know Dolores has been out here going after um, um, Professor Sherry. What's her name? Trelawney. Trelawney. About, Can't you do a single spell? Oh, that might be the movie. But it was just in a, a single prediction. But Pansy has never done a... Not even in class have we seen Pansy done much in class. I know. I don't remember. I mean, she's in classes. I mean, maybe uh, she's a squib. We just don't know. <laughs> right. But she would. I don't think she would have gotten a letter, would she? No, I was just teasing. She would not. But, but you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, on the one hand, we see um, Slytherins, um, folks who have or people who are considered Death Eaters who are very powerful wizards doing very powerful magic. Yet when we look at the Slytherins and in um, Harry's cohort, we don't see nothing any remarkable in any of that. I mean, you know, you see, you see Draco, um, and we'll see more of what he tries to do in the next book. Um, but you just really don't see any signs that they're going to be, you know, that they're grooming um, younger magicians to wizards to be able to do that level of magic. Deb is being nice. Well. Um, we see idiots. Well, 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 well no. We see I mean, I mean, Crab and I mean, Goyle yeah. who can't like tell their ass from a hole in the wall. Right. That's how they're right. portrayed. I mean, like, everybody's portrayed kind of dumb. Yeah. At this not, point, every single I mean, one. But not, there is some... they're not showing any signs. I mean, there's certainly no no equivalent to Hermione in um, in Slytherin. There's no equivalent to Neville, even with his, you know, affinity for um, botany. You don't see anybody who really knows how to do anything, mm -mm. except bully. But you right. know, that is a very, I mean, interesting that you say that because I have a sort of a counterpoint to that. I mean, in addition to what you're saying, you're absolutely right in terms of like, yeah, we don't see we, and even pansy. I mean, she's supposed to be this sort of foil 
for Hermione to a certain extent, right? That um, rivalry because we have Harry um, um, definitely um, fighting. <laughs> you have Harry fighting Draco. But there is a thing that Draco says all the time that his father doesn't necessarily like Hogwarts, doesn't like Dumbledore's line of like Dumbledore's um, ideas about education. So it could be that most of the Slytherin are getting their education from home. Because that doesn't change the fact that they're being portrayed as unintelligent. Like they're clearly crab. The, the, who are the Slytherins we really know, though? We know Draco, we know Crab, Goyle, Pansy Parkinson. That's who we and hear about. Blaze, um, in, but I mean, we haven't even met him yet. Yeah. So at Actually, this point, no, we that's... met him in book one. He's okay, but but sure. he's not major. These are the these are the characters that we keep seeing over and over and over again, and whereas Pansy and Draco are not portrayed as unintelligent, Drake um they're not they're not anything special at all. And in like um Deb said we or I don't even already I don't remember who said it, but we haven't seen her do any magic. Um, but Crab and Goyle clearly are just like meatheads dumb do, 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 do. yeah there i mean there's like nothing we don't see them we don't see them even do magic until book seven yeah but you see the type of magic that they're doing so, so i mean, I mean could, it could be this could be taught i mean because obviously like you said Draco has intimated that his that his family, you know, really b- still believes very much in the dark arts, not defense against the dark arts. So right. that maybe Slytherin family or families, pure blood families that are in Slytherin, uh, teach their kids at home. They teach their kids certain things um, at home. But I don't see any signs that that they are <laughs> able to translate that right. into anything when they get to Ridiculous. school. I mean, right, you know. <laughs> Skill. If you get a skill, skill can itself in many different ways. I just don't see any signs of any skill that has been um, successfully transmitted to the, any of the Slytherins. I right. seriously I mean, love Reels's never dying ways of finding things that have no evidence. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, right. but mom and, said um, no. His mother, his, his mother didn't want him to go that far. So and even you know, um, even in book six, I think at some point he init- he mentions that he didn't want to come back to school. Right, right. He doesn't want to come back because, but you know, because the father is the mother who is pushing the education that he wants to go back on Hogwarts. I mean, there's a certain level of sophistication and whatever the case may be, as we know, you know. I mean, a lot of people go to fancy school, Ivy League school in the real world, though they don't really get a proper education. Right. They're just going to be part of the, the, the day-to-day situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a whole, um, not just even with Slytherin for the most part, um, Rowling doesn't even get us. As a, we've never even been to Hufflepuff's, um, um, common in Hufflepuff's room. Squad, a common room. We've never been there. We just know it's somewhere near the kitchens. 
um, which again is this implication that she, she makes this implication of you know like the Hufflepuff being like you know the average people somewhat kind of thing. Uh, I mean even the starting hat says you know the others Hufflepuff said we'll take everybody else because everyone else <laughs> distinguish what they wanted right Ravenclaw said I want the smart one. Slytherin said only want the pure, pure blood. Gryffindor said I want the brave ones. And Hufflepuff is just like, whoever has magic, I want to learn. Come in here. Slytherins are supposed to be cunning. They're supposed to be cunning. And I do do see evidence that they're they're cunning. That they have, which I guess you, another word of, would be street smarts. That they Mm -hmm. know how to manipulate. They know how to, um, you know, they're not relying on book smarts. They're more or less relying on their their ability to... um, either bully or to manipulate people to get what they want. So, and I think that we do see signs of that, but I'm just saying that when you think about the other magicians, even the dark, the dark magician, the dark wizards, they have an, they have abilities that I don't see signs of in this current crop of Slytherin. Yes, definitely. That I will, that I will disagree with that, you know, they all seem to be very, um, they skip this generation for sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think <laughs> the impression I got is I think the last cohort were um, Snape's generation. That's it. After that, we just got like a watered down, you know, the, the what do you call it? Um, what you gonna call it? Ooh, what's that word? The generic brand. We just got the generic water brand, right. basement brand in Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean they, they have they have the qualities, but they certainly don't have the other um the ability to kind of turn to work the, to make to marry that cunning with ability so that they can actually do the the create would create much more havoc, but they don't have that ability to marry um that cunning, that sly, that slyness with ability and with knowledge. Maybe it's because most of them, the, the, the ones who could have taught those skills, uh, were locked up in Azkaban. Well, that's true. So, you know, <laughs> they missed out the teachers. But let's not spend too much time here, Janine. It's like, why are we still here? But you um, <laughs> 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 don't hear her, people, but I can, I can, I am sufficient at legitimate. Right, right, right. You are correct. It's coming away. It's coming I, I can get into her mind. But so we promised last time that we would start off this week with Neville. And yes. Neville is, we we find out, we, I mean, we've always seen Neville. You know, Neville sort of had, in the first book, he comes up with a toad. And Neville, um, and you're just like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. But Neville is even seen as not necessarily a stooge because he's not very funny, but he can't seem to scrape by. He is scraping by, obviously, because he keeps getting promoted every year. But Neville is seen as being not as prodigious in magical skill as anyone else in the class. He is constantly the butt of jokes. He is constantly Snape's victim. Um, he's, he doesn't seem to do anything but herbology. Apparently, his good herbology marks always pull him up. But that's not how average works, people. But, you know... Whatever. <laughs> I mean, one good score isn't going to really help. Okay, right? It's pretty much why in most sporting events, they knock out the highest and the lowest and then use the ones in the middle. But okay. Um, he seemed to be very good at herbology. 
um, particularly since there seems to be no um, direct magic um, involved in that. But, you know, we see him, he's cropping up in book two, book three, book four. He seems to be gaining a sort of a more prominent. I mean, because of, all, of everyone in the room, yeah. Neville is much more singled out beyond like Dean and Seamus. Dean and Seamus are always supporting cast. Mm-hmm. But Neville just seems to be right, you know, there's best supported. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. category. Mm-hmm. It's Harry and Ron and Neville and then Dean and Seamus in the back hanging out with each other. But we see in book four that Neville has, there is a significance to Neville and why Neville is the way he is. We find out that Neville's parents, Alice and Frank Longbottom, were tortured by the Lestrange, Rodolphe and Bellatrix, along with... Um, Baddy Crouch Jr. And to the point that they were, they've been um, patients of St. Mungo since for 13, 14 years. Um, so I imagine that around the same time, Harry, just after Harry's parents were killed, Frank and Alice Longbottom were tortured probably weeks after that. Neville is reigned by his grandmother, Agatha. Um, Longbottom, who is forever in this child's face about the fact that he's not his father's child. Well, he's, he's, not, he's not the image. Uh, the he's the... not special, that he's not a good magical being. Right. He Neville mentioned... inherited his father's abilities. abilities right, because Neville mentions in the first book that there was some question as to whether or not he was even magical, right. that they have been trying to experiment with him all the time to see if he showed <laughs> any magical... Um, ability. This is so jacked up. Nothing was happening until his uncle held his held him out of a window <laughs> and shake him and then dropped him. First of all, <laughs> I do not remember this. This must be like one of those tragic things that you block from memory. I do not remember ever oh, yeah. learning this about that. Neville. And when you said this, I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. so fucked up. That happened in book one. We learned this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember this at in all. In book five, we learned that he was actually raised by his grandparents, and then the grandfather died at some point afterwards. Right. Because well, I remember that speaks. because I guess maybe you know right. that's like not so tragic. I could hold on to that. And I got and the impression that's why, that that's why he can see the thestrals. Right. And I got the impression that that clearly uh, the Longbottoms are old, rich family within this community. I mean, everyone is rich except the the the, the Weasleys. The Weasleys. It seems. Um, but you know, all of his uncles are pretty. Um, his uncles and aunts and whatever the extended family are all pretty well-to-do people, just the same. And Neville just becomes like the, I guess not even like the black sheep. He becomes the runt of the family, right? Like, mm-hmm. why is it that this kid isn't doing anything? And Agatha gives Neville his father's wand. And everything we know about wand law, it is that this wand clearly will never work for Neville. Like, it just can't work for Neville. Because it's not him. He never, the wand chooses the wizard. And Neville, the wand didn't even choose Neville. This was just, hey... This this one did great things for your father, and supposedly it will do great things for you. Mm-hmm. And that loaded expectation of of you know like and 
I, I think you, you said something, I and I didn't even consider it that way, that how evil Neville Grandmother is, and we don't even... It's not something... Well, it's never brought up in the movies, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But in the books, we sort of, like, look... We sort of overlook that that, that was to grow up in such an environment for a kid. I mean, Neville and Harry are the same age. They're born around the same time. So basically dealing with this from age two, like one and a half onwards, just constantly being told you're not good enough. First of all, you, you I mean, for several years of his life, so... they treated him like he wasn't even part of the family because he wasn't magical. Like he She's was, like... very um, passive aggressive about it, though, which mm-hmm. is so dangerous, you know, to be that because you're not even... You're not even giving Neville, she, the grandmother's not even giving Neville the, how do I want to say it? It's like he's not even worth enough to say, I think you suck. Or, you know, like we think about how Harry was treated and he was abused and it was so blatant. Like you saw exactly what's going on. But in Neville's case, this is a different kind of abuse um, where he's just kind of like, pushed off to the side all the time and whereas he's not you know getting beat i don't think we don't know anything like that but it's this lack of love that he's getting because his grandmother constantly wants him to be something that he's not you know so we kind of we overlook it i think until we get to the actually maybe even yeah this book it starts to come out but more <laughs> the next book we learn about her and um the impact that it's had and then we learn you know oh my goodness in the next book how good neville actually is when he gets his own wand and he has you know the opportunity to flourish as a wizard but grandma is nasty oh you're 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 friends of harry potter so you know like that brings neville up in her eyes oh you were at the Ministry of Magic when when shit hit the fan. And then all of a sudden he's worth a little more, you know, but she's constantly um, dogging him, just dogging him. But we don't get a true sense of it because we because Neville is so timid. And we just hear him say, oh, but my grand, oh, but my grand. But really, he gives us a huge like um, look into his world in prisoner of azkaban when the bulgart comes out and Mm. first you know he says he's most afraid of professor snape and then lupin mentions his grandma and he says well i don't want the bulgart to be her either you know he's (laughs) clearly afraid of her they don't have you don't this isn't the kind of relationship you're supposed to have with grandma right grandma is supposed to be loving and kind and well grandma is also dealing with tragedy too i mean well, of course she is but that yeah. you would honestly if this is all that you have left of your son i mean why don't you love him and and nurture him instead of constantly put him down and say you're not as good as your father do better well, maybe maybe this is maybe she doesn't think she's putting him down she wants him to I rise to the occasion does. But, but you see, we, we have a thing here where Harry is in a wall where Harry is told he shouldn't exist, right? Like, you, you don't exist. We, we're going to treat you like you, you, you don't exist at all. That's how the Dursleys treated Harry. 
But Neville when is they weren't about, beating him. Right. I mean, like he, you know, but the the grandmother, on the other hand, for Neville is through the why should you exist if you're not doing anything, right? There's, and Neville has no esteem. Neville has zero self-esteem. And in the seventh book, when the grandmother writes a letter to Neville explaining that I'm so proud of you because Neville takes over the resistance at the school, Neville takes a piece of, a piece of paper again from book five. We see a piece of paper that mm-hmm. Neville is most proud about because for the first time, his grandmother is acknowledging Neville Longbottom. I just think that Harry and Neville are exhibiting similar types. I mean, they've they've experienced similar types of upbringing. And I think that for for most of the books, we don't see the parallel until we're forced to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're forced to see the parallel in in the fifth book with the prophecy. But um, if you think, if you break it down side by side... Harry and Neville have led very similar kinds of lives. Now, it's interesting because um, Harry has had the benefit of Lily's protection. And I guess in some ways that has also meant, because his self-esteem, even though he has issues and he reacts to things as opposed to planning and what have you, he still has a measure of self-esteem intact. He can stand up for himself. And so, which Neville has... Neville does not have that ability because in a lot of ways, I think it's more damaging to your self-esteem to be constantly compared to someone Mm -hmm. than it is or and found wanting than it is just to be ignored and not even have the the people that, you know, not even have that, that side of your family brought up. Well, even that though, Harry was constantly being compared to Dudley. I think the real difference here is how it manifested, you know, Dudley, (laughs) And Harry were constantly compared and he wasn't good enough. And why can't you be more like Dutters? He's so great. Even though I think beneficial to Harry was that he was able to see things about him that his parents couldn't see. Right. Right. So he, he knew that that's not who he would want to be anyways, but it still does. I agree. You know, it's very damaging to have yourself constantly compared to somebody else and not being able to live up to that. But you're right. It's very similar the way that they grow up. Their situations are super, super similar. The difference is just how it has manifested within each of them separately that and has made them so what, different. What we don't know is how, what we don't know when his grandfather died and right. how long he had another person in his life who may not have taken the same stance as his Mm -hmm. grandmother. So we don't know that. We also know that he has had the ability to go and see his parents, even though they're not there, they're not available to him. They're in the world and he can can connect to them. You know how his mother, his grandmother in, in this book, his grandmother is constantly making him throw away the pieces of paper that his mother yeah. keeps him and he keeps them. So he has some kind of connection, even how how tiny it is, he still manages to have some kind of connection to people that as far loved as he him. Knows, loved him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm always, I was always of the impression that the grandmother almost wished the, the um, almost wished the parents were dead. Because she's acting as if they're dead. I got the impression she's only coming to the hospital because of Neville. Neville is insisting that they I never come and that. see. 
that because she because she went there and she almost doesn't even seem to care what she tells never just like didn't you tell them why your parents are in here that you come here all the time i think she's proud of the no no i i took that as grandma being proud that her son fought the evil and she's sad that this is what's left in she's disappointed in Neville that he has never shared the story because yes, they're in a sad state now, but the reason that they got there was a proud moment and they were working for the greater good. I never thought that grandma was annoyed that they were even alive ever. Well, there is, I mean, there's politics that that you have to ask yourself in the wider society. What was the reaction about people because Harry, parents, losing his parents, clearly, they're not the only one who, who lost parents, right? I think the girl Bones in the school, Suzanne Bones, I think her name is, um, she lost her parents in the fight, um, in the wars ahead, and definitely lost family members, and she would lose her aunt directly in book six. But it's always Harry that gets mentioned, right? The boy who lived, rightly so, because he's lived. But I wonder how is the magical world, um reaction to all of this, the fact that it's Harry who's seen as the one who has suffered the most throughout this entire process, when there are so many other victims throughout the magical world. Yeah, you, you I, know, I, There's a level I, of resentment that, that can... That, I found that passage in the book where, there, um, where Mrs. Longbottom um, is dealing with when, when, the, when Harry and Ron... Um, when they get to the hospital, and she says to to um, Neville, "Haven't you told your friends about your parents, Neville?" And Neville took a deep breath, looked up at the ceiling, and shook his head. Harry could not remember ever feeling sorrier for anyone. Um, but it's nothing to be ashamed of," said Mrs. Longbottom angrily. "You should be proud, Neville. Proud. They didn't give their health and their sanity, so their only son would be ashamed of them, you know." "I'm not ashamed," said Neville very faintly looking anywhere but at Harry and the others. Well, you've got a funny way of showing it, said Mrs. Longbottom. My son and his wife, she said, turning haughtily to Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny, were tortured into insanity by you-know-who's followers. They were aurors, you know, and very well respected within the wizarding community. Highly gifted, the pair of them. And so she really wanted him to... I mean, I don't. I didn't get the impression that she was sorry that they they lived. She saw it as a pride point that mm-hmm. they had fought. Um, they had fought Voldemort. Yeah, I think she wanted Neville to like see them as you know war heroes. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. but but you see, this is what this is what I mean about they are war heroes and all of that. We understand the situation, but you see, she's only she can only see within that moment, right? that it should be something that Neville should be out here bragging about. Because Harry, Harry doesn't get to brag about that. Harry never talked about his parents dying, per se, along with his friends, right? Said his parents are dead. Like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I didn't have parents. I grew up with these evil people. But, you know, she, she is very, very haughty about this situation. And there it is, Neville is struggling with the fact that he never really knew his parents. Like, how is he, you know, because they were tortured. Neville was about the same age as Harry. Yeah. Harry doesn't remember yeah. his parents kill. So Neville is keeping something about his, I mean, even Harry understood that moment, which is the funny thing that the others didn't understand that moment. 
mm-hmm. that for me she was she was she was disappointed in Neville yet again, right? Oh my God, you didn't tell your friends who your parents are. And, and for Neville, it's not even about that. His parents being always are irrelevant. His parents have never been his parents. He's never had parents. You know what I mean? And they could have saved him from God knows this grandmother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but you know, but Harry, remember Dumbledore had told Harry about Neville's situation. Right, in book he four. Tried, but he had told him he couldn't tell anybody. So he knows that um, that 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 was what Bellatrex got sent to Azkaban for, for torturing um, or using the Cruciatus curse on Neville's parents. And it's because of Harry, actually. Right. They tortured right. them, expecting him to know where Voldemort was after Voldemort was destroyed from Harry. Right. From that situation. But, you know, I, 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 Neville is one of the, um, Neville and Professor Lupin are two of my, the two, two characters that I sympathize with the most within this, this entire series. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, one of the things about, and Neville, it's interesting because, um, you know, when you think about what Gryffindor stands for, one of the questions that we ask and then we just toss it aside is how in the world did he get into Gryffindor? We don't know that we won't find out until much, much later um, why he belongs in Gryffindor. Right. I mean, you could say, you know, he stood up to his friends in the at the end of the very first book, <clears throat> but you know that was you, that was really kind of um, kind of not what Neville was most known for mm-hmm. in terms of being brave. Um, but we will find out later why he belonged in Gryffindor. Well, and I think this is just another example of the brilliance of the writing. Yeah, yeah. Of the characterization. The characterization, yes. Because there's so much, I mean, there's nothing as we find, and and Neville in a lot of ways is one of those characters, and and it's really kind of um, good when you have a a secondary character that is allowed to develop in the way that he does. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is the one who says, when Harry is like, well, we, we've got to go save Sirius, you guys stay behind. He was like, wasn't, you You told us all, what was all that stuff in the DA for? Mm-hmm. Where you told us that we, this, we were together. You know, he really kind of insists on going. Well, Neville mm-hmm. keeps them honest, you know. Throughout yes, the series, does. Neville has kept them honest. Neville, yeah. because Harry is very skilled at lying. He's very, very skilled at lying. Harry has been known to, and it's it's one of those things that we thought of like underplays. Mm-hmm. But Harry is very good at manipulating people, particularly when he wants something. I mean, Harry <laughs> is bait. But, but, if, you, but if, I mean, if you've ever if you've ever but, read but, anything about children of alcoholics, right? Um, this is how and, they are. He's got he's got a lot of characteristics. It's not just alcoholics. So people who children of people who are unavailable parents who are unavailable, unavailable to them. Right. He has they, all of the characteristics of that. The lying, um, just many of the things that he does. The fail, the reaction, the reactionary nature. All of those are kind of characteristics. Always on hyper alert. Harry is yes. the one. Who always on hyper alert. He because they have to be. Danger. And they have to be because they know that 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 danger can come to them from out of nowhere. I mean, you know, Vernon could slap him, and he wouldn't even know that Vernon was coming. So, you know, they're they're always hyper alert. They're always looking out for danger. They're always expecting um, that something is going to go wrong in a lot of ways. Um, 
so I mean, this is this is one of those things that uh, this is one of the best things for me about the series. Why I always come back? It's the rich, complex characters that she draws out. Everything, the world in which they exist, and I have lots of issues with. I mean, some of the things, and again, more and more, it's almost like every single week we have to say this: the magical world has nothing, no solution for any mental issues. None. None. Just None. some chocolate and just some bed rest. Because here you have people who have been, there is just, I mean, right. the Christian, I mean, those people, and because we would see precisely this issue comes up again in book seven, right? Dumbledore's yes. sister, the father yes. refused to let them take her to St. Mungo's because there is just nothing that they're going to offer them there. And this was centuries ago. I mean, Dumbledore is what, over a hundred years old? And mm-hmm. his sister would have been what, I want to say early 1900s they were gonna do nothing for this girl mm-hmm. just nothing so people basically had to give up their, i mean they, both their parents gave up their lives for the protection of their daughter because the magical community almost turned into a bunch of draconian it's, a, it's almost draconian in many ways just in how because i'm just like frank and alice and i'm just sitting in a hospital doing what what's happening that's right they just, they just do nothing you know what I mean? And that when I said that I mean, Neville's grandmother, it's almost like she's just like, she doesn't even know how to deal with these people. Right? She's just like, it's just a piece of paper. But here is this woman could, but could you imagine being under the Cruciatus curse, uh, being broken by that, that whole spell? And this is all that, this is the mother attempting in some regards to reach out to her son that she never got to know. Right, she never got to really see growing up. She can't. She never got to share in any moment, but twenty minutes in a hospital and just a piece of candy wrapper is all that she can offer. I mean, that is just. I mean, that it's, whole, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's really it really heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and, I, and and when Harry says he never felt more sorry for anyone in his life, I mean, you could really relate to that. You could really relate to that. To me, a lot of times, I I think Harry has been given so much burden and then Neville I think is Neville again I mean Harry is a dick most of the time maybe it's because maybe if I didn't see so much of Harry I would probably be far more sympathetic to Harry but you know I think Harry's reckless this book we're going to discuss that in a few minutes but I mean Lupin just these I mean they're all lost boys basically I mean the whole lot of them right Mm -hmm. I mean not just Mm -hmm. every one of them Sirius um, Snape Dumbledore, yeah. Voldemort, yeah. they're all a bunch of lost boys. Every they single really one are. of these, these, and it's just like the magical community has offered absolutely nothing to these people other than you're lucky you grew up in a good family and that's it, right? That's yeah. just it. And uh, right. if, that's, if, if you get that lucky and you gotta be lucky you grew up in a good family, who wants a bunch of sociopathic, psychopathic maniacs, right? Well, like, the good thing is that eventually. The only alternative is the Weasleys, where, you know, people are reasonably psychologically healthy <laughs> um, because they've all they've been pretty much intact. The family has been pretty much intact mm-hmm. and, you know, decided what kind of family they were going to be, that they were not going to be caught up in the pure blood business. So they you see the consequence of that, right? That right. when when things go away, when pure blood mania comes out. They are the first to be attacked, right? Right. right. They're definitely on the list. 
right. that their but, blood but status can only keep them to a certain extent. They're psychologically healthy, even oh, right. though there, even though there is that kind of um, hanging over their heads that once the, the people who, who feel like you're a blood traitor come into power, you're going to be in trouble. But um, they still are psychologically healthy people, even crazy Percy. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's just ambitious and wrongheaded. But, mm-hmm. psycholo- you know, psychologically, he's still pretty healthy when you think about the Lost Boys. Right. It's good. I, it's just good. Like you said, Deb, you know, this is really a secondary character that we get to see grow. Mm-hmm. And it's nice, you know, to know that we're going to get to see Neville fully come into his own. But you, I, it, I would be, wanna... it would be most disappointing if he was given this much time in a position within the story and then he just turns out to be blah. It's like he's going to have his moment to shine and prove to Grandma, ultimately, that he is a good wizard. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting because the way this is told, now we know this because we're, we're people who've read these books multiple right. times, but when you first read these books, you just think Neville is a nice little decoration, yeah. you know, yeah. little side thing, and you know- I he's, mean, up, he's, up to this part, you mean. Because he's in Harry's, he's in Harry's year, and he, um, you know, he's a, kind of the butt of the jokes from time to time, mm-hmm. and he's also, you know, he's around, but you don't know that he's going to have the significance. No, you don't, but you do but feel sorry for him over sorry. and over. You're invested yeah. in him, which you is are. the key, which is the key when you're building characters for, for your readers to really connect with, but you're invested in him in ways that you're not necessarily in Seamus or in right. Or in I'm actually, I am actually in, I was actually invested in those two characters just the same, but she kept shunting them off because here you had a, a, a relationship where um, Dean was completely, Dean was like Harry, right? Because Dean. Right. I would have Dean loved was, to have known more about those two. But and Shayma's father is a muggle right. who married and, and, a. And, right. And Dean, um, I think Dean didn't even know that he was right. that he was magical. They didn't even he know his father had gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jake Gary, he's black. I mean, girl, you're but the difference. I mean, the difference there is that we want to know more about Dean and Seamus, but it isn't given. We're constantly right. learning about Neville, so exactly. we become more emotionally invested exactly. in them. Well, exactly. You know, so there's it's the difference is wanting and having and moving forward with what you have. You know, exactly. we're constantly learning about Devil Neville. We're seeing his development, and you know, we're feeling sorry for him when Snape is just oh my god, what a dick and then you know for is the other two you're like you're left with well what about them i want to well, know more i mean because it's the interesting thing about the magical world is that socialization is only in your home right it's only in the sense that because the magical world has to exist within secrecy and there is no magical village the only place where large numbers of magical people are gathered are either at the hospital, at the Ministry of Magic, or at school. Mm-hmm. There's no real gathering ground, so most of these people are socialized within their private home. There's no real education, it seems, because it seems like unless you are half muggle or whatever the case may be, if you are pure blood, you're never going to school. You're staying at home right. <laughs> because 
they certainly wouldn't have them amongst other people. Can you imagine Drake, Drake were around regular children? Who find out with Voldemort? <laughs> we saw how that turned out with Voldemort, right? So I was always fascinated by because J.K. Rowling was very deliberate in the very beginning in distinguishing how these five boys who are randomly chosen by the Sorting Hat, who end up living with each other for six, seven years, mm-hmm. are also different. A very different right. background between right. all of them. I right. noticed that um, when in book seven, when the full-on war happens, Dean has to run. Dean, Dean isn't even safe in the magical world. In, in Muggle world, I mean. Dean has to run. There is yeah. no place for him to really go. Because he cannot take because to exist in the magical in the non magical world puts his entire family at risk, and he basically right. has to cut off complete communication with all of these people because As they Hermione were like, had to. and Hermione, Hermione literally had to make her family disappear, mm-hmm. and and this was something I got upset with all the time. It's just like nobody deals with that issue. Nobody like she literally sends her parents to Australia to go fight to to go fight a, a her friends her best friend Wall because that had nothing to do with Hermione. I mean, she could have just gone to Australia just the same. But it's a sacrifice that I think, and in many ways... No, I don't think she could have. I I don't think she would have, but... I don't think she could have. What? She's far too too close to Harry to be safe, to stay with her family and try to hide. I don't think that was an option for her. Well, the thing about it is just that the family... Well, clearly that the family could have hidden. That's I'm just simply saying that the family could have could have hide. I don't she... think she could have hidden with them safely is what I'm saying. I think that due to her connection to Harry and her having always been there and at that point, which we're way ahead of ourselves, um, she was too intertwined in everything that had happened with Harry. The Death Eaters know who she are, who she is. Everyone knows who she is. I don't think it would have been safe for her to take her family and try to hide. Someone would have come for her. Well, I Which mean, is why she sends her parents off alone. Well, because she was determined to go with Harry, that she couldn't continue going with Harry. Okay, and let's. I let's yeah, I don't think I don't think that's it. But let's not go there now. Let's let's talk about. So we're we're at we'll the wrap... point in the story. We're at the point in the story where all of the the, the the silly nonsense in school, which we're sick and tired of, it was over and over. That Harry gets a vision during the history of magic exam. That Sirius is being tortured by Voldemort. And Harry gets into his head immediately that he must go to the Ministry of Magic in what turns out to be the, the Department of Mysteries to save Sirius. He's determined to go from wherever Hogwarts is, which is many hours from, from um, at least, what, six, seven hours, apparently by slow gas um, coal fire train, because there is no super speed train here. To go to London and collect Harry from the um, Sirius from the clutches of Voldemort, and let me just say, when this happened, I was just like, "Motherfucker, are you kidding me, stupid idiot boy? What the fuck are you doing? Like this is just yeah. this is compl- This is just this is just you literally fought I mean, this man in in book four, and you barely got out alive. You just right. you barely got out alive." Like Voldemort is going to stroll into that place by himself. Voldemort doesn't. This Voldemort operates alone. But every time you see Voldemort, he got a gang of people 
Unless it's something personal. Am I right? You know yeah. what I mean? Voldemort, Voldemort always has a gang of people behind of him. Voldemort is not, he does not ride alone. He is the most he is the most powerful wizard outside of Dumbledore, but he always has a posse. But beyond, even before Harry decides, like, oh, crap, we have to go, there are, like, so many things that he could have done that changed everything. Well, he did try a couple of things. He did try a couple of things. Remember, he tried to, he tried to make sure, remember, he tried, Creature lied to him. He tried to, to, to get... To talk to Creature to see if Sirius was at Grimaud Place, and Creature lied to him. He tried to um, get the word to um, using with Snape. To, he, he tried a few things, but it was always obvious that he was going to go. He was going to try to go himself. Exactly. No yeah. matter. Oh, what. for sure. <laughs> because How he much- was too. He was too emotionally involved to get out of his yeah. own way and but to what? think clearly because he. I mean, and we don't, it doesn't come back until the end, but the whole time you had that mirror, the whole but, time you had that mirror and you never even thought, but, how, you know, that, but that was so human. How yeah. Often, yeah. How often do we run off half crazy to do something when the solution or so a better simple. solution is much closer Right. Because in his mind, in his mind, he has got to go and rescue because, as Hermione has pointed out to him, he does have I'm that you know, savior <laughs> um, mentality. Yeah. yeah, and part of it is you've been told over and over and over again that you are the boy who lived. You've been t- this is, and even though you've kind of pushed it to the side, I would rather have my parents. I would, you know, I wouldn't. This is nothing to be you know, proud of or what have you. I didn't, it was an accident. He he tried to kill me. It didn't work. It's gotten in his psyche that he has to be the one. He doesn't even know yet that he really has to be the one. Right, right, exactly. But, well, and you know. Really, I think well, it's but, deep in his psyche. This entire see? book, he's mm-hmm. been trying to follow his hunches, which a lot of them turn out to be correct. And no one's listening to him. So he right. has no reason to listen to them because, you know, he he caught on to a Harry. He catches on to Malfoy in the beginning. He immediately catches on to him. He he notices his weird behavior with his mother. He notices that he probably has the dark mark um, etched in his That's arm. That's book six. That's book six, Janina. Oh, shit. Yes. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Anyway, what I wanted to say that we we I was just like, what is she talking about? But I I I think we forgot another major point that Harry was supposed to take Occlumency lessons. Right. How did we forget this part? We're gonna get back to the juicy details. But right. Harry was supposed to take was was taking Occlumency lessons. So and that whole setup of how Occlumency work, like Protego and protecting and guarding against whatever the case to me, that alone was pissing me off because I was just like, motherfucker, they are trying to teach you something. And it's why I get when you know when that when you say Harry is a reactor, I was just like, all that is good and fine and fair, but reacting without a strategy is no real problem. But this is his inherent hate of Snape coming out, right? That's right. So That's it right. should have I mean in Dumbledore admits it should have never been him. It should have never been him. It should have been me that taught you this. But, could, but, but Dumbledore it couldn't was, teach him. It I we know Dumbledore. that. We know that but it was right. never gonna work with Snape. But the ever. problem is the problem 
problem to me is I never did the work. Got this, you've got this kid, and you have you could at least sit him down and, and tell say, him, look, this these you may not figure you may figure I can't tell him everything. Withholding information, <laughs> but you need to you you really you talked about this a lot, reels, and we were talking in previous episodes of this this failure to um, to inform him. And to give him these, these, it's like sending your kids out without a vaccine. You've just, you've just really <laughs> unleashed this kid in in the world with with his own um, really lack of information. Can you imagine with his own adolescent understanding of the world and people? Yeah, they just wanted him. Dangerous. They want him to sit down, shut up, do what you're told. Don't well, well, think they're... on your own. Don't try to do anything on your own. And you know what? If he would have done that, it would have been fine. But you know he's not going to do that. But when right. has he ever done that? And he mm-hmm. is a teenage boy. He's not going to do that. But here's but the, the thing I get. Sirius was not going to sit there. But the here's the thing I agree. Sirius was not going to sit there. Uh, I mean, I'm hearing all of that. I'm sorry for like... You know, I'm like, Ugh. because here's the problem for me with that situation that you're you're all absolutely right. Those are very fair points. But I think those points would be fair if it were just ordinary me in that scenario. Harry has faced a lot of crazy situation. He on. But, you know, well, maybe you might be go back to it. Maybe none of this has ever been put in real context to him. Right. Because this becomes this withholding of information we see that Dumbledore yeah. explains in the end. But Harry has to understand, and Harry is aware that there's a, there's a, there are forces that are bigger and larger than him, right? And that, you know, here was someone, Dumbledore doesn't do things lightly, okay? Dumbledore has showed some tendency mm-hmm. to having something. I get that, you know, it's understand, you know, it's kind of hard, whatever the case is. But Harry did no exercise at all. Okay, when Snape was there, Snape give you the, the fundamentals of what it is you need to do, right? Because it, it was a matter of you need to practice, you need to practice and shut your mind out for all of these things. But then, as Hermione points out, Harry, you are being seduced by these things. You love these kind of things. This is on mm-hmm. you. You need to right. stop this. And, and the thing that bothered me is that, you know, it's just every single time how he completely dismisses what she's saying because he wants to do what he wants to do. Right, like yeah. you know, that what I, we I, all yeah. do. But but yeah, so, but, he does. But, but I'm just like this girl. <laughs> I just like I might have saved your fucking life so many times that his memory is so very um short. I mean, that's children because he goes because he comes back to this. There's this arrogance that was coming out with him. Right, I was the one who in that graveyard alone. Mm-hmm. That who fought Voldemort. And that alone, well, it's not the, because I mean, but look at where that anger is coming from, though, Reels. It comes from the lack of sharing of information. If someone would have just taken the time and explained things to Harry, he wouldn't have been so angry about all of that. But here, but here's the thing that Harry, but here, here is the thing that really struck me that Harry kept thinking about himself. And Harry never paid any mind to any. That the consequences of, uh, that his action, oh yeah, oh that's true. Consequences for everybody else, that's and I true. think this, this is the thing that I think that this is what I'm saying. For me, I would have think you know if I if this was ordinary me, that could have been my response. But Harry has been in enough situation to see mm-hmm. that this could be trouble because I was already pissed at Harry since book two. 
Where the fuck we all going with, with, with Lockhart down in some chamber of secrets? Go get some fucking professionals. Like, you were literally in the staff room. You were in that bloody staff room. And you literally, because Lockhart was going to kill them. I mean, that, <laughs> that was just like that. Yeah. This man was but going you know, to the kill these now, little the boys. The thing of it is, is he is acting, he is acting like, and Dumbledore says it. And, uh, you know, I know what a young man thinks. I know how a young person thinks. You uh, yeah, and I should have been more. Um, I should have been more understanding. How, right. <laughs> yeah, because the, but the other thing is how much of some of this was goaded by Voldemort. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that Voldemort um, got in his mind about the snake, with the snake, and he could see, and he became the snake. He became. He really could. He was. He was in his mind, so to speak. Now, Voldemort did not intend for Harry to see that. No. Right. He did not intend for that to happen, but there's some, there's some, there is some kind of craziness going on because of that connection. So some of that anger, some of that, um, you know, just unreasonableness. It's not all of it is just from just from Harry. Some of it is because of that connection to Voldemort. Yeah, but Snape explains some of this, and this not is enough. I think but Snape was not good was at explaining the person it. to tell him that. Totally I, I, wrong. I, I mean, yeah. I, and this is where I think Sirius would have been helpful to relay some of this information. But again, that pool has already been tainted because everyone feels anytime Sirius is talking to Harry, he's trying to treat Harry like it's James. And I was just like, idiot, whatever it is, listen to me. I guess because I have dealt with teachers like Snape, which is why to me, <laughs> Snape isn't, uh, I mean, Snape is evil. He's petty. He's all of those things. But to be this much of a dick teacher to to Harry is that I mean I have that teacher didn't you know, give you a zero like how Snape oh god like yeah, after that Snape go, go after he saw Snape's situation oh my god Snape was just like Harry everyone's every book Harry kept saying to think I didn't even think Snape could have hit me even more but she showed us like <laughs> Snape keeps bringing it up Snape probably has a little petty book in his oh yeah and where he's just <laughs> yeah. like. These are the ways in which I can harass and harangue right. Harry That's Potter right. every single day of my life. Every single That's day right. I see this boy. I want to get him out of this school. But, I mean, here was it. I mean, like, Harry, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, Hermione said it just the same. It's just like, he could be putting this information in your mind. This is Voldemort we're talking about. Right. You right. know what I mean? And exactly. it's just like, no, but Hermione, I-, I gotta go. And it's just one of those things like, one, how are we going to get there? Two, what fucking one do when you get there? And it's just like, just nothing. And it's just that arrogance where I was yep. just like, really, as I was, I remember reading the book the first time, I just like, does this motherfucker really think because he's a boy who lived, he will continue to live? See, like, I didn't think that it was because he was the boy who lived, he's going to continue to live. Yes, Hermione is almost always right. However, we have to keep in mind that he had just seen Arthur Weasley be attacked that was very real and it had real consequences he has no reason to think that this isn't real Hermione is the only one that says it nobody who matters not that Hermione doesn't matter but but the people that are supposed to be teaching him he's doing these lessons with Snape Snape 
should have told Harry the ultimate reason for this isn't only to close your mind off to Voldemort. It's because we're worried that he's going to plant things in your mind that are not real to lure you into places because that's what they were afraid of. That's exactly what they were afraid of. So they let something happen, right? Harry witnessed Arthur's attack. It was real. He ends up saving Arthur's life. He has no reason whatsoever to think that this isn't real. None. But tells, but Snape and, tells and, him. And, and everybody tells him when after Arthur's attack, Arthur says it too. You saved my life. You saved my life. Yeah, I'm you not disputing. He has no reason to believe that Sirius isn't truly in there and that Voldemort has him. But, but if the, they but if they the would have to... but if they would have been honest with him and said we're concerned that Voldemort is going to make you see things that aren't real to play on your emotions, which they knew this. They knew it. And Dumbledore tells Harry at the end, after Sirius is already dead, if they would have just said that, then he would have been more inclined to listen to Hermione. He has no reason to think that what she's saying is real. None. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Snape said, you shouldn't be seeing these things. You shouldn't be here. The Dark Lord is now aware that the, there is a connection. Right. He did say that because what was a connection, not where he's going to plant things in your mind. The connection, but that's different. uh, But uh, because I mean, he said, I mean, I mean, again, I, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe I am determined to be remain pissed at Harry. I am absolutely determined (laughs) to be pissed at Harry because this is just. This was just high fuckery. I was just like kid, little boy. The problem is he got fucked. It was high fuckery, but they fucked him too. That's that's just it. They did. They fucked him over. They didn't there this whole time all these things that are happening. These adults are doing these things and they're using Harry. I mean, even Dumbledore admits that he has used him to get what ultimately needs to be done and he doesn't know if Harry's going to live or die. We will find that out, right? But he's been they're using him and using him and using I him. I don't see because I mean it, it, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's necessarily using because I think Dumbledore what Dumbledore's complaint in the end was just I was trying to avoid you from dealing with this burden. You've have enough of this to deal with. We are trying mm-hmm. to pre- and I think everyone has been trying to protect him. But Harry doesn't see I mean like Harry has been completely ignoring all of these protections in book three. No, no I don't agree with that at all. No, I'm sorry. I mean like for me, I'm sorry. I I just think, you know, there was just because again, it's just like why were you gonna how are you gonna get there? I mean, they figured that out. But really and truly, do you think that you were more skilled to save Harry, to save Sirius, and rescue him from Voldemort? Like, seriously, Harry. I mean, that was just... Well, he's, absolute, he's, he's come I mean, out of it alive four times. And, he, it, it, and uh, I think he does think that he's got a little bit more skill than he had when he was in the graveyard. Yep. And he's got a little bit more ability... And that he knows some, he knows a little bit more. So but I also, think he does think, you know, he he doesn't think he's a what you would call a match for Voldemort. But I think he feels that he can, you know, he could do something. And and maybe the anticipation is maybe I can rouse someone in the ministry. Maybe I can arouse some aurors or someone to help. 
um, not just be rely on my own self to rescue think, him. Right. I think, and I think also yeah, maybe I could do something. I think one of the other driving forces of him actually going was he would have never been able to live with the guilt of not going and something happened and Voldemort killed Sirius. Even though he ultimately ends up dead anyways, I think a huge driving point of him going was not being able to not go because then what if? Because right. again, he has no reason to think that what he's seeing in these dreams is not real because they don't tell him. But I mean, I'm sorry. I'm determined to hurry to be the dick in book five. It's it's his fault. Because again, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't I don't think it's his fault. I mean, I really I'm not saying it, it, it is his fault, but I mean, like, not necessarily his fault. I'm just simply saying that. This was just really, really, really reckless. Like this yeah. is just this was this is this is not this is even less reckless than going into the forbidden forest. The school is yeah. right there. I mean, this is just like this is. But even you must more... appreciate that yes, it's reckless, but he has no reason. Zero reels. Zero reels. Zero. He has no reason to think that what's happening in his head when he falls asleep is not real. None. None, and he does try because, because he, he goes. Actually, he gets in the fire. Going to the because actually because he doesn't believe that because Hermione says that Voldemort isn't going to show up in the Ministry of Magic in the middle of the day to go in there get to Grandma Place get serious. I mean, whatever. But ultimately, um, he does he, show up at he, the Ministry he, of Magic. It's at night, and Voldemort does say this to Bellatrix. You think I would risk coming here? For some apologies, like he was ready, whatever he thought he was able to do, because Harry was there, right? Because ultimately, what he's here for is two things, right? The prophecy and to kill Harry, mm -hmm. right? Because right. to kill Harry, because Harry remains out of Harry remains for him is that Achilles heel, right? Because everyone is saying this little baby tried to kill you, and and every time over and over, this boy keeps slipping through his hands, and it shouldn't have been. Even when the the um, priori incantatum happened in um, book four, that was not supposed. To, this time there are witnesses, and this was witness to a set of magic that no one had ever been able to see. I even right. comprehend or understand what was happening here because the I mean Voldemort was from all intent, all people can aware is that Harry matched Voldemort. Which none of them can't even do. They can't even lie to Voldemort, much less to even pretend to be that anywhere near that skilled. But I mean, for me, it was this. This was just insanity. I was just like, yeah. Even before anything even happened, I was just like, is this boy fucking crazy? Like, you're taking Neville and Luna. I mean, God don't even trust he Neville didn't and want Luna. To. He didn't want to take. I, I know he didn't want. He didn't to, have but, time to argue. Them. But, he didn't but this have is the time other... to argue. But you know, when you when you really when you think about it, you know, he really. You know, I I agree. He took reaction. He took his reactionary nature to the to the step one step further, and it was reckless. It because, was totally I mean, reckless. His, his real but plan was to go alone. But his I real think by the time Hermione, Hermione was telling him the truth and telling him the thing to think about. The testosterone was 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 raging in I'm his ears. I'm he telling you, hear a thing. 
He was rabid. And that's just the thing. There was nothing he could hear at that point. <laughs> and that was well, the thing. And, and, and you, could you imagine? Could you imagine? And the thing, I mean, like, I mean, I really felt bad for him in the end, but I was just like, well, I mean, you hate to see it, but it's, you know, and <laughs> it, it's when it's when that whole thing happened and he's just like, oh, fuck. We can't even get a, they don't even know to operate in this apparatus. So they can't even run out of the room. They're literally trapped. And this right. thing, this is just like, where do you think you were going? You were attempting to go by yourself. And this is the other thing too, because the dream kept, this is what I'm saying, that he kept having the dream of the room, right? Of going to the room. He knew he'd never been to the room. And he knew Voldemort couldn't be coming to the room every single day. That these things had to have been dreams. But, you know, here we are to this whole hot mess of a situation. The mm-hmm. Harry is basically trapped with the Death Eaters. Bellatrix is showing her teeth. And Lucius Malfoy is there. Again, I think that we said last week, you know, like Lucius definitely paid the Ministry of Magic to nobody be there. There's not even a single security. Nobody. There's not all. There's just nothing in that place but a water fountain. That's it. That's the only thing moving. And Harry's trapped. The children are fighting admirably, using the elements that's around them. Hermione is showing herself to be very skilled in many ways. I don't understand why people think that because Hermione um, silenced Dalahov, that Dalahov somehow can't use the spell to be effective just the same. But whatever. That's a whole other magical element we're going to deal with. But just when everything seemed like it was going to be crazy, then the Order of the Phoenix showed up. And Tonks is shooting stunning spell. And I'm like, bitch, what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? These people coming to kill some little children and you stunning people? The Death Eaters. The Death Eaters. You're going to stun Death Eaters. I can't. I can't. I can't with this world. I, and this is literally your job, Tonks. Your job is an aura. Right. You know what I mean? Did you, you want were... her to just start killing them? Oh, um, because I know Bellatrix has no interest in stunning and No, uh, I mean I'm that's I'm seriously asking. Like, I mean, did you want Tonks to be up at the top and just Avada Kedavra everybody away while they weren't looking? Is that what you would have wanted? Um, yes. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying I was curious. I mean, because we we're gonna have everybody this... can't die because then we don't have a story, right? Because here's the thing. <laughs> We're gonna I mean, keep that... having this conversation again and again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because here's the thing these same people that you've been stunning and petrified come back to keep on doing more damage over and over and right. over again. Dollar but has... it also doesn't it also come back to those are unforgivable course curses and certain people don't use them? Well, I I don't know what other magical recourses is out there. I mean, make some knives appear and stab them. I mean, I'm cute. I'm good with that. <laughs> I mean, make some appear. I think that the whole goal for the Aurors, and they're supposed to be skilled at catching dark catching, lizards, not killing. And they're not supposed to. That 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 the whole thing is that you know the worst you can do is to put them in Azkaban, so yep. that their skill is in catching. Well, um, but, but these people was... should have been in Azkaban, and we know that's not. I mean, again, we. I just don't think it's the... realistic to think that Tonks was going to kill anybody, or that any of them were going to kill anybody. No one actually does until the very, very end, right? Well, that we know of, right? I mean, but I mean, this is the frustrating thing about. It's almost like 
it's that situation that happens in um comes up in the Hunger Games series. You're in a place, you're put in a place to be kill people to eat, right? And you're right. going to be in the trying to be like you're going to knock people out. Girl, they're interested in killing you. Like you can't just <laughs> knock people out. And how the writer then writes around the situation and makes that people die by accident, not as direct cause. The only time I think she has the main character um, killing someone was when she kills the um, Rue, that she literally then fires an arrow and kills someone directly. And I'm well, just I like, think that this is a good time. You cannot step around these issues because you are in a world where someone else is trying to kill you. Deb, it's time for you to remind Reels that this is a children's book. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> even, it, definitely. And even though, I mean, I think, I think children, well, YA has evolved to the point where you would see people in, in defense kill people. Um, but this is there's still the expectation that this is going to be um, suitable for anyone from 12 years old and up. Well, blow off the right on hand then. I don't care. Just do something because <laughs> stunning them and leaving them with the death stick is yeah. helpful. Because no, it is know, not. Like, it, it is not helpful because you've literally knocked Dalahav off and leave Dalahav there with the stick in his hand to wake up in two minutes. And then he comes back again. It's just mm-hmm. like, this doesn't make any kind of sense. It's very clear from the action that does happen. We haven't even get, gotten got to the presence of Dumbledore because when Dumbledore shows up, mother, I was just like, yes, we're going to get some real badass action here. That it's very clear that they're using all different kind of curse and jinx and, you know, spell that not necessarily everyone is immediately attempting to kill, kill, but they're attempting to do pain and, and, damage right. like because right. whatever bellatrix did to tongs tongs is like fucked up right she's in the hospital right. right and she does something to kingsley puts kingsley in some kind of like pain and let's just say i mean kingsley's but kingsley's badass because kingsley's fighting two of them at one again and here we have mad eye moody lost his eye like moody you're losing every fight you're losing every fight that's just me and remus showing himself to be badass as always mm-hmm. i mean and who else and was there? And once again, he has to console Harry. Harry, oh. Um, which that scene is just... So, <laughs> let's talk about the, let's talk about the dais. Yes. Oh my gosh. So they're in there, everybody's in there. Remember the part where Harry is oh, close before, to it? Oh, and... before, we, before we get to that part, let me just say, the movie is shit. Puffs of smoke, people. I can't with that mess. I can't with that mess. But I don't even on. remember it. But um, they're there, and it seems like Harry is considering, or or the Death Eaters feel like he's too close, or they think that he may be considering that he's gonna go through the curtain. And no, 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 no. I don't think that was what it was. Real. No, no, no. The, the children. No, Harry kept telling them before the Death Eaters showed up. Harry was attempting to say he's hearing something there. No, there is a moment. That's after. There is a moment where Harry is near it and the Death Eaters come in and they see how close he is and they stop like, oh shit. But it's, it's quick and it's fleeting and it makes you think again, what is that? Because they've already passed it once 
and they already hear the voices, but no, then just Harry and Luna hear the voices. Right, but it happens, and then they're in the room with the Death Eaters, and Harry gets too close, and all the Death Eaters stop. In that in that moment, they first, that's when you know, because we don't really know what it is. We never truly know what it is until Sirius falls in. But they stop, like, oh my gosh, is he going to do it? And you know that the consequence is real, because they're not even willing to hex or you know do anything but he still has the prophecy no did you miss the significance of this moment (laughs) i don't first of all i don't remember that this moment deb do you remember this moment yeah i've actually found it um, okay go ahead when they when he was falling down um step stone step after step steep stone step bouncing on every tier until at last with a crash that landed, knocked all the breath out of his body. He landed flat on his back in the sunken pit where the stone archway stood on its dais. The whole room was ringing with Death Eater's laughter, though. Um, the, the, um, the back of his legs hit something solid. He had reached the dais where the archway stood. He climbed backward onto it. The Death Eaters all halted, yep. gazing at him. Some were painting, panting as hard as he was. One was bleeding badly, um, and the, but they were basically Potter. Your races run, drawled the, Lucius, Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. So they all stopped. Like a good boy. Well, I think they were afraid. Oh, he I fall backwards with that prophecy. prophecy right. Yeah. And my point is, it's at that moment that we know that the dais, like, is is something. It's right. something big. They don't want him near it. Because oh, I see how you're reading that. I read yes. it when which Deb was reading it. I read it that they were afraid of the thing, but I saw the significance of the death when Luna and and Harry got close to it. Because well, I saw then too, but I mean, like this, it, we don't really know what that is. Because he they almost went kind of mes- in there. Mes- they're mesmerized by it, right? He almost right. goes in there yeah. at that point. I think it was either um, Hermione pulls him back. Because we are aware that Harry and Luna are hearing things, are experiencing supernatural <laughs> in the magical world. That and they've made it very not. clear that if you're sharing experiences with Luna, it might be extra. I don't know how Hermione feels about anything Luna has to say, right? That it ain't, it ain't right. Well, for me, I remember. And she can read ancient runes. But I remember on my very first read, my very first read ever, I remember that moment, clear as day, when the Death Eaters are seen, they just stop in that moment when Harry gets close. And there's the possibility that he might fall in, like, oh shit. But I also think at this point that all of the, everybody has, everyone else has been, for the most part, incapacitated, right? Because mm-hmm. at this point, because I mean, Hermione is knocked out somewhere. <laughs> Neville has his nose broken. Ron is going on about brain. Ginny is such ankles broken. Luna is knocked out somewhere. So and I know that have... I know Deb, you're listening to this too, right? And I'm listening. <laughs> I'm so annoyed, but it works because Neville's got the broken nose of the yes. narrator. Yes. Neville, yes. I'm Harry. I stop <laughs> me tell exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm just so like, well. 
And the, the, <sighs> the thing about it, you know, this is why I get upset with that magical theory. It's just like even in life and death situation, these children are not capable of performing magic unless fully articulated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, but it should be this moment that they could do some kind of silly defensive kind of magic. Because there is absolutely no doubt in any of these children's minds that these people are about to kill them. In fact, they're they explicitly scared. state that. Right. They're, they're very afraid. The, it's, they're very it's been, afraid. It's been stated very clearly. Kill everybody but Harry. And they're right. like, we aren't came here because of this motherfucker. He's the only one who might live again. So, I mean, like, I was really... Um, this. I think this has been... Actually, for me, this and the graveyard scene had been... Most of this has been one of the most, like, dramatic in my mind reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, this is about to be really, really, really insane. This is, this is, this is, I mean, because these people are natural. I mean, these are all escaped convicts, okay? All of them except Lucius, okay? Who and, should be? And, uh, well, that too. They're all criminals, let's just say. And Lucius has no, I mean, no qualms about saying, kill my son's schoolmates. Mm-hmm. Kill them. Yep. It's all right, except Harry, we, he would be let the Dark Lord kill him at least. I, you know what I mean? Like this right. is a this is a so, whole other level of like madness. But when you think about it, I mean, here you've got you know Bellatrix, um, who is in battle with her own cousin, and because no, of, her niece. No, no, even before now when we get to her oh, battling okay. serious. Okay. She's in battle with her with her cousin. And you know there is no familial feeling. Oh no! Well, she's already there. got rid of her sister's child. I'm just like, oh. right. And I think they're twins. Actually, they might very well be twins. Um, she and I think Narcissa. I'm not sure, but I'm almost sure she and Andromeda might be twins because they do look very much alike. Not that it matter, not that it mean anything, but yeah, I got the impression yeah, that they might, might be twins. Right about that. Yeah. Um. Right about that. And. I mean, she was like, she was going at. I mean, like, they were they were hotly contesting that fight, and to me, I was just like, another motherfucker, why are you laughing? Like, this is no joke. Bellatrix is because. <sighs> so I, you know, said I think Bellatrix is a powerful witch. Real yes. says she's but, not. No, well, I I, she's that, a very powerful. Witch. That's not what I said, Janina. What I did <laughs> say was that. The book doesn't, I mean, yes, there are people who are being described as being powerful, and by no means I would not doubt that Bellatrix is a powerful witch. But what I'm saying is that the book doesn't give any real indication as to how power metrics or power ratio works in this world. What we are under the impression of, the people who are particularly powerful are very prodigious at magic, right? That they can, they can do complex spells and whatever. And it's also clear that they have been studying because Bellatrix does say this in a few minutes, you know, just like, I know spell of such complexity that not even, you know, that I learned them from Voldemort. Well, and so th- that, that's my thing. I, I, I think my thing is just that it, it does, I don't get the impression that sometimes we're given the impression that sometimes you're born with this great magical power over someone else, right? Almost like genius abilities. But my point in bringing up the power of Bellatrix is Mm -hmm. that I think it gets overlooked in general. I don't think so. I do. Um, I think I think think everybody is very clear that uh, Bellatrix sacrifices her husband. That girl is on Voldemort train. She's evil. I don't think anybody doubts her evilness. 
Uh But I think the power of her magic, Sirius was laughing. Oh, come on. Do better than that. Uh, Dumbledore, she gets away from Dumbledore, does she not? Because Nobody. I think Dumbledore was busy doing something else. No, she does, but Dumbledore's catches her at the end. It's Voldemort who saves her. In right, the end. right. Mm-hmm. But she's she's dueling. She's actually dueling with Dumbledore no. and gets away for a Dumbledore. moment. Dumb- and Dumbledore then he sends gets... her spells at her. She deflects it and keeps because she was going to she was running. She deflects it. You just said it. But that's not dual end up. I'm just saying that I think her power gets overlooked in her. And her and her and the way she her mind and the way she carries herself when she carries herself as you know everything for the dark lord right she doesn't carry um, it right yeah and I think people because that that's what we see more of and acting on her power and which you know we'll talk about in great length the next book she's the only one that really doesn't trust Snape. Well, I mean, I think she doesn't trust anyone except... Well, at least she's the one that we hear about it, because apparently there are whispers, but I mean, that's not what I want to talk about, but I just, I really feel like that she is super badass, but kind of gets overlooked by... We know that she's dangerous, we know that she's evil, but I just... Eh, I don't know. I don't feel like she gets I, the credit she deserves. No, I, I think, I mean, like, I, I mean, I don't agree with that per se, but I just don't think there is, there is any way of, there was any way in which to sort of like show this, right? Because I think if when Voldemort was not around, she was in Azkaban, right? And when she does get out of Azkaban, Voldemort is there and she has to service everything. And plus, there are a lot of blunders, you know, Snape's is not too... Well, I think if probably so Sirius she, wouldn't have laughed and have taken her a little more seriously, she wouldn't have been able to kill him. Well, no, I think that's arrogant. No, no. I, think I, just, just, I, I disagree with that. Sirius was so happy. I mean, he Just like Harry couldn't hear anything because the testosterone was ringing in his, his ear right. when Hermione was trying to talk to him, Sirius was in the battle. He was he could he was really more about that battle at that point. Right. You mean you just think he was happy to be fighting? Yeah, I do think he's he arrogant. Was happy. I, I thought I thought he got arrogant and cocky mm-hmm. and I do too. Of, I do too. And just kind of yeah, and I think that was his downfall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry yes. about I mean that because I mean because it 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 says that he fell he falls into does does she actually utter the words Avada Kedavra? Uh, I don't know. In the movie, no, she does, so I get confused. No, I don't think second, she does. It doesn't. It just says, um, "Come on, spell. you can do better than that." Right. The second jet of light hit him squarely on the chest. Yes. And the not quite died right. from his face, but his eyes widened in shock. We don't know, and they they don't talk about green light. They talk about red light. Right, and, and then he, he falls just falls back. back. In, so in it could be. Yeah. I mean, it really could just be that she hit him with something and he falls into the dais and that's what does him in. Not that she necessarily kills him per se with a spell. I actually thought that, you know, what? how I read that scene was that pretty much along those same line. But I was just like, Beatrice was like, motherfucker, I ain't playing with you. And she was just like, oh, you think I'm joking? It was yeah. just like, yeah, here too. you go. Yeah. The here you go. You know, man, you think I'm because, I mean, it's very clear that Sirius is also very prodigious wizard as well. That mm-hmm. He yeah. could have probably matched her just the same, but I think he got cocky. He just thought of like because at this point, and, and you notice how she is. But you notice whenever she's fighting, 
Bellatrix is about the business. Yeah. Bellatrix is about the shit. She's like, like I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do like something she, big. We're not playing Expelleramus. And, and exactly. And, and we see this every time there is a fight. We see this here. We see this several times in book six, in book seven. In several instances, we see her battling. And she is like, I mean, that scene in the Malfoy Manor. She's I like, was I'm coming like, for you. Oh. Yeah. That bitch took down Grenier, um, um, Greyback. She took him down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not do this. Okay. Well, but anyway. you know, you really um remember when she when Harry tried to run after her, when he um he got away from Lupin, uh-huh. he tried yep. to run after her and he he was able to do a few spells, but she was like she was still she didn't know he had they had dropped the prophecy. So she was right. still thinking she was bargaining she, for the prophecy. Prophecy, right. And she, she was says, just like I'll teach like, you. You're going to yeah. learn today, Harry Potter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and this is the thing about these verbal spells. It's just like, oh, whatever the case may be. But that whole scene, and then Voldemort shows up. Oh, Voldemort in Voldemort. Dumbledore. Voldemort. And, and you that can see she's, she's, she's trying to, she, she got scared. She was scared. Yes. Not just for Voldemort, but because Dumbledore was here. Because Dumbledore. Because wait, everyone's afraid of Dumbledore. Here, when Dumbledore shows up, Neville says, Dumbledore. I was just like, <laughs> Dumbledore. I Dumbledore. think I clapped in my head. I clapped in my head because Dumbledore <laughs> showed up and Dumbledore was just smiting every. Dumbledore just gathered these people up. You like, feel like, was... yes, <laughs> the day has been saved. Exactly. And then I, you I, remember I, that it's Harry Potter and somebody always has to die. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I was just like, Dumbledore shows up, and Dumbledore, and you know, this the thing the book described. You know, he scrabbled up the stone step like a monkey, and then Dumbledore's spell just hit him, and just like, just like, finally, someone's doing magic that I intend. This is how I imagine magic is going supposed to be. Not only am I doing magic, I'm walking and talking calmly, calling you out your name, calling you by your, <laughs> calling you by your real name. I mean, calm. Calm. I mean, like I before we even get here, I'm basically going back into I was your professor. Mode. You know what I mean? Like, calm. there is a um, even before we even got to that part that Dumbledore was showing that he's a badass in the room that he gathered up all of the Death Eaters, right? He gathered up all the... Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, and he like puts them... got away. That yeah, gets them bound. And with an anti-apparition jinx. Like, he got them together. There was no escape involved of Dumbledore at all. But when Dumbledore shows up in the hallway for this fight, and then the, 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 the statues came alive, I was screaming in my head, like, oh my God. It wasn't in your head. Be real. You were hooting no, and hollering right at that book. No, remember, I'm already pissed at Harry. <laughs> I'm already pissed at Harry because um, Sirius is dead. I was just like, this is some shit. I'm already pissed. I was just like, oh my God, Dumbledore and Voldemort is about to do the badass magic that I have always imagined it should be. And I was not disappointed. I was not disappointed. No, it was, was wonderful. So, it was so, I mean, just. I mean, the, the statue comes to life. They got the snake involved. They were really, they I were mean, pulling out the stops. That, that this, the, the spell, whatever it was, the force of it, whatever it was, make Harry handstand on edge and dumb, and Voldemort has to um, conjure a shield. And he was just like, you do not seek to kill me, Dumbledore. And Dumbledore <laughs> just like, merely taking your life doesn't interest me. 
I'm not here for you. Dumbledore was just like, but there is. I mean, that was just badass. And then, that, and then Fox comes in again, and Fox swallows the jet of light. Oh, he swallows the Avada Kedavra curse. Yes. And yeah. I mean, like, and I'm just like dumb Voldemort. I mean, bro. And it's like when that happens, right? You think, well, what else, you know? And then, I mean, like, what, what else? What could make this any better? But you've got statues springing to life and uh, protecting before... and taking spells and I mean, exploding just... and. I oh, mean, it's... in one fell swoop, Dumbledore, I mean, gets the centaur to come and block this killing curse. He brings a ring of a, a, a lasso of fire and then gets rid of a fire snake and makes water come out and just covers Dumbledore. He never says a word. I mean, just like, <laughs> if yeah. I were Harry, the minute Dumbledore say, teach me, I'm just like, um, I don't give a shit. Whatever you think you're looking for, we got to be taking notes. So. How did what are these spells? I need one directions. I need exact notes. I like. I mean, this was crazy. The movie did a horrible beautiful. job. I just, I just, it was. Well, of course it did, but you know. But this was crazy, and you do know that almost this same um, chain of events and how the magic happens happened between Snape and McGonagall, right? In book seven. Mm-hmm. But McGonagall, she was just like, fuck this shit. I'm unconscious. I'm nice. Fuck this shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> I was just like, why is everyone out here using a vodka cadaver? Like, come on, no. Like, but I, th- I thought, you know, like the last thing he that Voldemort tried to do was he inherit, he, he, oh, um, that he, was he crazy. um, possessed Harry. And he yep. figured that that would, that would make, um, Dumbledore kill Harry. So that he could get rid of Voldemort. Yep. Um, not knowing, you know, that, That's you know, like, because he didn't know how much Dumbledore knows about the Horcruxes and the fact that that would not be the end well, of I don't think. Well, I don't, I, I don't think he, but Voldemort doesn't even interpret any of this as being a Horcrux situation. No, no, but I'm saying he doesn't know. He thinks that if, if, he, and if he possesses Harry... And Dumbledore kills Harry. He will. He but Dumbledore. I mean, at this point, Voldemort knows that he still got other pieces of his soul out there. Right. So he think he doesn't think it's anything for him to. It won't be any problem if right. he can trick Dumbledore into killing. Yeah. Harry, because he's possessed him. Voldemort's right. trying to get Dumbledore to do the dirty work. Right. But I- Right. I, I think I, I can't don't, kill I don't... Harry. You kill him for me because but... even though you think you're going to be killing the Dumbledore's hoping, no, Voldemort is hoping that Dumbledore's thinking is, you know what, I got to do this for the greater good. So I'm right. going to kill them both in one fell swoop. Right. So that he's gone. And yes, it's going to suck that Harry's gone too. But Dumbledore knows that ultimately it's Voldemort that we have to get rid of. But Voldemort is thinking, go ahead, do it. Because I'm still going to be alive. Because right. he's got the Horcruxes. Oh, and he doesn't yet know yeah, that's that Dumbledore exactly right. knows. That's what's happening right. there. Exactly. But Dumbledore, um, and can we just talk about the fact that not only does Dumbledore have statues fighting for him, protecting him, and protecting Harry... He got these statues playing messenger. Right? They went and got fudge. <laughs> I right. mean, Listen. you could do that. You could do that. And the, the witch statue 
Dungong grappled up um, Bellatrix and pinned her to the ground. Like she can't even do anything. Mm-hmm. None of her spells can even do anything to that. It has to be Voldemort who saves her. I mean, and Dumbledore just did that with shaking of his wand. I mean, this is the transfiguration teacher I need to be teaching me at Hogwarts. No, I mean, no shade to Professor McGonagall, but girl, I don't know if you can do this. I mean, but then again, you made the whole school came alive, so. <laughs> so she can chair. do it. <laughs> you can I, this was amazing. This is the this is the this is the kind of magic that you imagine magic to be in these battle situations. Right. And we only get it twice, really. Yeah, twice. Yeah, but in all of the series. Um but damn, it's good. Mm. It's I just so good. Really- I think, well, I think it was, you know, you really, you don't have too many incident, instances where you have the two most powerful wizards square off against each other. Right. And I think because of that, you have, and, and talented wizards who, who know how to, to use everything at their disposal. Um, and it's, go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's all I was going to, just thinking well, about. Did, well, it's I think J.K. Rowling doesn't. J.K. Rowling doesn't doesn't try to do that with anyone else, though. I no, mean, there okay. isn't anyone else. There's no one else. I mean, who else would it be? There are. No, I mean, these are the any... two most powerful. But I, what I wanted to point out here was, you know, everyone was scared when Dumbledore shows up, right? Bellatrix was for sure. She, they're scared, like, oh right. shit. But. Harry is it Harry that's what yeah Harry lets us know while they're battling Dumbledore was scared too I don't no, think no yes. I think I, I think I think no I think what happened here is that Dumbledore wasn't scared Dumbledore was because Dumbledore realized what when Harry when he no, tells Dumbledore Harry realized what Voldemort was doing no before that he tells Harry stay where stay you are because Harry made and, he, and it says right but it says this was the first time you even heard us a, a little tiny bit of fear in his voice where he because seemed a little I, bit I, shaken I got that because I think I, I took that to mean that Dumbledore realized what Voldemort could potentially be doing because yeah. this was this yeah. this was the this was his worst fear realized, right? That mm-hmm. this was this was the thing that Dumb, Dumb, Voldemort <clears throat> was attempting to do would attempt to do at some point. He would have either attempt to possess Harry and make Harry attack Dumbledore, or uh, in this reverse, make try to attempt to make Dumbledore attack Harry. But I mean that's because Harry, I know Harry always think he knows best, right? He was told the stone statue was um, protecting him, but Harry and made to get come out. He was just like, I don't know why he's worried. There's nobody in here, right? There's just no one else here except them. And I think Bellatrix was crying at the same time still. But you know, that's how I took that to be. Um, but all is said and done here. I think Harry is um, Voldemort gets a taste of something that we would get more information about that in the far- subsequent books. Where Harry is, and Harry says the moment, you know, then, oh, take the pain away, kill me. You know, I would say serious again. The snake that was like, squeezing Harry um, releases him and it's gone. Dumbled Voldemort appears, reappears. And um, which, which is why I think that, you know, that I don't think he would have been killed. I think it's just Harry who would have been killed at this point. Voldemort would have appeared, his body would have appeared just the same. Oh, yeah. And, 
That's what that's and, what we were saying. Oh, okay, okay. That, I thought you meant that it didn't matter if he Vol- died Voldemort, at the same time. Voldemort, but see, Voldemort didn't know that Dumbledore was moving in on the issue of Horcruxes. He didn't. He just figured that was his secret. At this at this point. point. Oh right. So he at he didn't know that the Dumbledore would have never attempted to do that anyway. Right. I see what you're saying. Well, he would never attempt to no, kill I Harry. Think, I think it was like Janina said. He figured because Dumbledore has been known to to adhere to the greater good theory, and that if you know it's going to hurt me to kill Harry, but if Dumbledore, I mean, but if Voldemort has possessed him, I have to kill Harry to get rid of Voldemort because he's the bigger threat. Mm-hmm. And I think, but what he he didn't he figured Voldemort figured I can do this. I'll still be alive. Because I, my my soul is in other parts, still in other things. I still have bits and pieces of my soul scattered throughout the world. So he can't kill me, even if I possess this boy and he kills he kills the boy. Right. Okay. Okay. I say. So Voldemort, um, Dumbledore, being the badass that he is, seeing that Harry is okay, let Fudge know. Um, you could send a note to the school to the headmaster. You got 30 minutes right now, boo. That's it. Um, tell your peoples to get out of my school. Tell them start looking for me. And if if any if any of you motherfuckers try me in this hall here, I'm gonna fuck y'all up. Dumbledore said, dealt with all those because I mean Fudge was just like Dumbledore here, <laughs> and I mean it's just like you mm-hmm. just see Voldemort and you're gonna be like, let me go get Dumbledore. <laughs> like Fudge is a hot, hot, hot mess. <laughs> I don't even know. I keep trying to read these books and thinking, am I being crazy and thinking that this magical wall is just completely bizarre in doing anything? But they're just completely inept at every single thing. Oh, but, but you know, the, the people, they keep putting people in power who have no real skill. And that's Fudge. I mean, he there he is in his pajamas. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he... He's got to be led forward by the statue. So, you know, he's like, he, he acting like, I saw him. I know, I know I saw him. How is this possible? I've been telling then, you this. I've been telling you this for um, a year. You know, 800 pages. I've been telling you this for pages. <laughs> you guys, what about, oh, this was great. When Dumbledore sets up the port key for Harry to go back right. to Hogwarts and Fudge is like you can't do that it's not ministry approved I was like are you fucking I kidding me just right now over his glasses are you like... kidding me right now okay but because Fudge is no matter what he is just no good in the emergency uh-uh. he is just no useless <laughs> he's totally useless everything so, for him is a perception of power exactly like, that's it that's exactly. what matters to him Exactly. And you know, it's funny. He's never even drawn his wand out once. I think he, no, I think he does it in book six. But he doesn't, uh, this is, I'm just like, boo, you're not doing anything here. No. No. Mm-mm. He's useless. Oh. All he knows what to do, all he knows to do is to, is to, is to recite some ministry rule or try to act like he has some authority to tell somebody to do something. He's totally useless. So Harry is taken back to the school now, and Dumbledore has a, a conversation with him, which is heavy. Now, at, at this point, I'm just like, oh, my God, I feel for Harry. I understand the implication mm-hmm. of this situation now. This is, um, this, is, this is really, 
the rage he felt by breaking Dumbledore's thing, and he's just like, I'm done. I want out of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want any of this. I was just like, well, boo, technically, nobody signed you up for any of this. They told you to chill, but you didn't listen, right? They were right, trying to right. keep you out of this mess, but you were adamant that you wanted to be in this. And I even felt bad for Nigellus because Nigellus was just like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There will be no more blacks. Mm-hmm. The boys are done. Because Draco will continue the Malfoy line. Be- no, no one's trying to get Bellatrix pregnant. Ooh, who's going to do that? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Who is going to let that woman? Because Ooh. she does say there, there might be an issue. You know, there might be a medical issue. Because that question comes up in book seven, book six, right? She tells Narcissa, I would have been proud if I had son. And you could see Narcissa probably give her a little dig like, well, girl, you didn't. <laughs> okay, this is my son here. And... You know, that that whole line, I mean, and this is what the time and time again, this is like the second time we keep seeing a line being disappeared because in book Mm -hmm. four, we see that line completely disappear in um, with the crouches. And now another line is just completely gone. And Harry, I, I think, you know, I Harry really wanted Sirius because he felt, you know, his parents particularly specifically chose Harry. I think you said that last week, Janina. His parents particularly chose Sirius as the godfather. So he wants that connection, even though there are people who knew his parents pretty well, because Hagrid reached out to these people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, the magical world doesn't even try to do anything. No one writes Harry and say, hey, Harry, I knew your parents. You know, you know what I mean? Like this, I mean, it's just like, because, I mean, people who know, people like my, people who knew my grandmother, you know, would just be like, oh, oh my God, I know your grandmother. She's just a nice, you know what I mean? Something. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, like, they just, it's just, they just beat upon this kid and it's just like, this was too much. And and Harry, yet again, Harry sees another death, another useless death, right? Where he right. was the target and someone else is dead in a way because of him, Right. And I think Harry, I think Harry had really thought that he would have opportunities to sit at Sirius's knee and hear about his parents and hear about their ex- escapades and um, learn everything he he could learn about his mother and father um, from the time they got to be friends. And I think that's also a big disappointment. In addition to just having the person. Sirius, who he had come to admire and you know love like a like a father figure, he was also looking forward to hearing more about his parents. Mm-hmm. That's that's really that was really heartbreaking. And Dumbledore then <clears throat> begins to tell Harry the thing that he didn't tell Harry that he said he's been keeping from Harry. And it's only now, as I'm rereading this book for like the bazillion time. That I finally understood when Dumbledore said that he cared about Harry. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, and then I really understood that Harry and Dumbledore has had a special relationship. And I just assumed that since Dumbledore basically taught all of the the order of Phoenix that he had a special relationship with everyone else. Mm-mm. But I realized that you know now I understood that Harry was placed Harry was placed in a unique position in magical history and the magical world. And Dumbledore has been everlastingly trying to keep this boy alive. And then we would mm-hmm. learn later on, it's just like, you know, part of the grand scheme. That there's just no other way. And that he understood what was happening. That we, we get to hear the prophecy 
that Dumbledore Voldemort that has been so assiduously trying to get. Turns out Dumbledore Voldemort didn't get to hear all of the prophecy. And the prophecy basically states that a boy who tr- who born of parents who tries defeat three times um escape from Voldemort will have a son towards the end of July and that child will have power that the dark lord knows not and he will have the weapon that you know that can get rid of the other and the other none 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 can live one can't live while one can't live and the other dies something along those lines I think it's uh, it but Voldemort doesn't die hate. at the hand of the other the for other, neither yes. live while the other survives right Dumbledore doesn't Voldemort doesn't hear all of that he just hears the part about July parents three times escape a boy and that's it turned out there were two boys Neville Longbottom and Harry Potter but Voldemort chooses Harry probably because of the connection of being um being half muggle and half um wizard but I am unsure, but, but to me, Harry is a pure blood, but apparently he's not. That's, I would have called Harry as a pure blood because he has two wizards. That's how it seemed. That's how I was thinking that was counted, mm-hmm. but apparently it's not being counted that no, way. It's not being counted that way because uh, his mother was muggle born. His mother was muggle born. So therefore, <laughs> she is not part of the um, thing that. Voldemort has a muggle-born father who was not magical and a pure-blood witch of a mother. And in attempting to kill Harry, he ended up destroying himself. So Voldemort wants to hear exactly what happened. Why? What was the rest of the prophecy? So Voldemort, Dumbledore had been avoiding telling Harry this situation. And... Harry was just like, well, it means, okay, then he may have chosen wrong. And Dumbledore was just like, no, unfortunately, no. Once he marked, once he marked Harry, the prophecy was basically out of his hands. Right. Mm -hmm. Because because if he had not, because the part of the prophecy is that he will, um, he will mark him as his equal. Equal. Yeah. And once he, once he had done that to Harry, he basically had kind of, made Harry the target. Yeah, but I, and my understanding is he didn't hear that part because it says Voldemort never knew there might be danger in attacking you that it attacking might anyone <laughs> or learn more. He right, he did not know that you would have power that the dark lord knows not. But that was about the marking when he yeah. marked him. Um and what we find out much later is that that mark is a is more than just um, a, a scar. Well, actually, we actually we did know this before, actually in book two, because Dumbledore says explicitly to Harry that Voldemort transfers some of his power yes, to you. Yeah. So when Dumbledore is explaining all of this to Harry, oh man, that's it's, it's sad. It's like really sad. And he's when he's telling him, you know, I knew I wasn't going to tell you at this age. It's just it's heartbreaking. As an adult now, I understood you, what he was talking about. Yeah. When I was reading it in my 20s, I didn't quite get it, but I understood yeah. that. Yeah. Now that yeah. I mean, now that I'm, 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 I'm not, I don't have any children, but I always think about one of the reasons why I wouldn't have children is because I don't know how I can explain to children 
my child certain heartbreaking massive concept like racism about moving in the wall and whatever the case me and about being marked for that or why bad things happen to children you know what i mean this is also but this is also the first time that we see some vulnerability from dumbledore on an emotional side and and you know when when he takes his hands and puts them in his head like oh gosh you know like i mean you're just like damn and when he when he has the tear, you know, fall this down. This is a really powerful yeah. moment. It really is a powerful moment. And and again, it's also the end. <laughs> but 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 here again, that you know, when Voldemort when Dumbledore comes into the room, he gets straight to the business. You know, I'm sorry about Sirius. You know, he's the only thing you know as a godfather, um, as a close thing as a parent that you'd ever really acknowledge in in, in your world. Um, two of your friends are not dead, you know, because Harry's holding that in. Harry's just angry at the, the but that is also that 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 is caught up in Harry. Well, and he loses and, his shit, doesn't he? And he loses his shit, but then then he gets calm. He hears the story and he walks out. And no one deal with the trauma that Harry has yet faced death again, seen death again, mm. and it's just <laughs> this time he gets yep. no chocolate and no sleep. He just gets to go back out in the world and just operate. He doesn't get a potion. He doesn't get it. And I have been like, I am just like, what? Like, yeah, like um, Dumbledore, like somebody, something. This is crazy. All of those children. I mean, because none of those children, those, what, the teenagers that Snape would call them, including Neville, has faced death. They have faced, they're not even fully qualified. And yep. they have been chased by a bunch of maniacs, which is mm-hmm. to take it lightly. And just nothing. Just have some potion, you know, and here's some candy. And well, here's you know, the only thing that Harry's supposed to take solace in is that, well, now you've been proven right. Yeah. The the the, the daily prophet. Is now on your side. Everybody believes you now, Harry. Everybody believes you now, Harry. And guess what? Therefore, (laughs) and guess what? The magical world has no solution. We will be sending information later on about how to protect you. You're gonna get a pamphlet. (laughs) Right. 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 What code is this? What what is this? What what level is this? Oh my Mm -hmm. god! And you know what's even more messed up, people? We live in that magical world in real yeah. life. Like, yeah. We live in that right now. That's right. Which is, which is crazy. We are yeah. literally living in this crazy world. And the book sort of ends on this note where, for some reason, Harry seemed to be in a better mindset. I don't know what that is. I think that is still trauma and shock because it's still... He was attempting to deal with that, the Cedric death, you know what I mean? And no one deals with that. And then there was just more. And I guess Harry is resigned to the fact, this is just my life. This would just be my reality, right? No, I think that he feels better. She goes to hug him and says, Harry, how are you? And it says, fine, he lied. So, I mean, he there. we do get a sense that he that he is just putting it aside. But he knows he's not fine. I think that... And she I, knows that, too. Hermione knows that. But the thing about it just Hermione... No, that was Mrs. Weasley. Mrs. Weasley. Oh, but I, I just said one of the interesting things, I think, is that 
Hermione is always attempting to talk to Harry, but Harry doesn't talk to Hermione about these issues. He doesn't know how. He's a 15-year-old boy. Well, well, that too, but there's also this other thing that he also thinks that Hermione can't communicate. Hermione doesn't speak boy, right? Right. She doesn't think that. She doesn't speak boy. boy. She doesn't. I mean, she speaks... She speaks reality. Teenagers do not communicate like that. No, 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 no. She does not speak boy. She doesn't. But I mean, but but because she sees around all of that, right? She's she just does like, okay, see it. She sees. Let's, let's sidestep all of that. She, she is very insightful. She is very clear, but she is not capable of okay. communicating across that bridge at this mm-hmm. point. She don't know where no. to meet Harry where he is. Right. Harry doesn't know how to be receptive of exactly. her concern. Exactly. That's, That's ultimately true. the problem. But, yeah. but, but he also I think I, that I, I just want to throw in, I think that Harry at the end of this, when he kind of, when it seems like he has some solace in all of everything that happens, I think a huge part of that is he finally has some understanding. He, yeah. someone has finally given him all of the information. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of it. Well, He'll no, I mean, some more Dumbledore, here real soon. But well, he no, finally, Dumbledore, Dumbledore tells him. Dumbledore is it's truthful, right? Dumbledore tells him everything that I know. Well, not yet. We but... estab- no, 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 no. Dumbledore tells him everything that we know as established facts. Right. Dumbledore is very right. clear about that. Right. Right. That so says, yeah, I will that, tell yeah. you everything that I know. Speculation. Exactly. We are moving in the realm of speculation next. But I mean, for me, this is this is the kind of arrogance I get from Harry again. It's just that you get this information, and just five minutes ago, you were just like, "I don't want to do any of this. This is not. This is this is too much is happening here," and now you're just like, "Oh, okay. Now I have this little bit of information." It's just like, okay, I'm cool. Let me go. It's, it's just no, like... I, I, I think he did calm down to a degree from the information, but nobody is going to stay at that high level of emotion. That's true. Um, you're going to, you know, just from sheer exhaustion, I mean, just from adrenaline, it's going to decline to, to a degree. And so you're not going to stay at that level of, of, you know, high emotion, high pitched or whatever. So you do, you're just exhausted. Yep. But I think that there is a degree of acceptance of now that he's heard that prophecy um, and he's got he's to gotta deal with it. I also think it helps that as he's leaving, remember when, he get, when, they, get to, when they get to King's Cross, all, a lot of the order is there. Yeah. A lot of the order is there waiting for him. And they make it clear that they are going to be watching over him. Yep. To the Dursleys. To the Dursleys. Right. They make it clear to him and to the Dursleys mm-hmm. that he, you know, look, he's not out here by himself anymore. And I think, it, which, you know, he doesn't it's like, have to feel that way. Right. And it's like, couldn't somebody have done this a few books ago? But okay. Right. <laughs> um, you know. What was so hard about that bit, right? Right. Well, I think they couldn't move in the open, remember? Because right. there was right. all of the, they couldn't, because the ministry couldn't have been aware that the Order of Phoenix was back in yeah. existence in full, in yeah. full form. Because most That's of these people true. work with the ministry. But um, I would say Janine is giving us the wrapping up um, time now. Yes. I yeah. just want to make sure that we did cover all of the salient points. But of course, we will cover, come back to some of the issues here. But let me just say, Draco Malfoy, the fuck is wrong with you, boo? 
Like, what is wrong with you? Your daddy <laughs> and the amount, those lots got in prison. What do you think you're going to try to attack Harry now? You know what I mean? And you know that scene when Harry just like, Snape just like, what are you doing, Potter? He's just like, hmm, I'm trying to think of what spell to, put, to mm-hmm. curse to put on, on, um, on Draco. Draco. Uh, Draco just like, serious. And the Snape ever that, like, oh, let me take some points. Oh, there is no points to take. No more from points. <laughs> you know, when, when McGonagall comes back and they say she has the carpet bag and whatever, every single time I get to that part, I just, I always think Mary Poppins. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> is it, isn't that what she's supposed to be, that kind of figure? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't think she's that nice, but. <laughs> and, and also, can we just, I just want a, a light bit on magical moaning. There are no funerals. <laughs> there seem to be no funerals until the very book six. Well, Right. Well, um, they actually had a memorial for um, Cedric, and they have one for Aragog. Cut it out. We have funerals. Yeah. <laughs> I know you just read that bit, but I mean, no, I mean in terms of the grieving process. I mean, yeah, the, you're right. Had a sort of a no, no, real, absolutely everything you say about the lack of attention to mental health. To trauma, all of that is absolutely right. Isn't that, I mean, can I, I just want to? Isn't that insane? I mean, like, I don't know if there's any. I mean, is it just maybe it's all that now that I'm a full grown adult, I just never I, aware of this other thing that happens in like literature. <laughs> like, well, it like, doesn't. I mean, very seldom though. If you think about it, from the time whether it's fantasy, folk tales, fairy tales, things just happen to people, and they just are expected to bounce back from it. Move on. Yeah. Generally, <laughs> in, in more realistic fiction, where you get people dealing with um, trauma, mm-hmm. um, occasionally you might have it in science fiction, where people are dealing with um, trauma or dealing with something that has happened in their lives through some kind of um, super scientific way. But you, in, in, in a hallmark of fantasy is that you do not get to deal with it. You just move past it. Yep. Hmm. But well, listen. That's messy because I mean, half uh, nearly all of these problems could be dealt with. Because one thing I want to point out with the Lost Boys is that the magical world has no space or facility to deal with people who don't have parents or have lack of parental guidance. Really, no. No, we send them to orphanages. No, they don't know if if you were in an orphanage. That's it. The magical world doesn't have an orphanage. Look at um, look at um. Tom grew up in one Voldemort. Hagrid, yeah, no, he grew up he in was, an orphanage because he was born in a magical world. He was born in a real world. He went to a oh, real world true. orphanage. Right, yeah, that's right. right. Okay. Um, and he couldn't. And the magical world had no place for him when school was over, because right. Dumbledore right. was explicit. You had to go back. Yes. But anyway, this was fun. This was three books. Three. I cannot believe you got me to talk about Phoenix this book. This magical. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and, you and there hasn't about been a, there hasn't been a wasted minute. <laughs> there hasn't been a wasted minute in all of this. Nope. I had no idea I had that much to say about see? this mess. See? It is the magic. Does that mean? Because I've got a lot to say about the next one. Well, I mean, I'm sure book book six is going to be in full episodes. And I'm almost sure that Deb is going to make that. Book six is going to be lit. Yes, we're going to have to do it in chronological order. I'm I'm almost so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, can we record it later today? (laughs) No, I haven't finished. I'm listening again. Uh, I'm on my third go around. It doesn't matter if you're you're not finished. (laughs) That's true. No, I'm teasing. But yes, let's wrap it up because we have, we're talking a lot. 
Okay. So, <laughs> so thank you for listening. I am happy that we've finally got through the albatross. We've gotten over Mount Everest. And now we're going to be skiing down the hill in book six, enjoying ourselves smooth sailing until we get to that messy concluded book seven, which has a lot of drama and mess and also some magical moments. So we are almost, we're in home stretch, ladies. We are in the home stretch. We have finished the five books in what, 13 weeks? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Actually, I mean, I think we did pretty well. I mean, you know, we really kind of, um, because it's really one big book in in a lot of ways. So, you know, I think we're, we're handling it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Way to way to show the light. Thank you, thank you. So, mischief managed. Mischief managed.